Hi, this is Guy Kawasaki. Hi, this is Gideon Shelwick here. My name is Farnoosh Brock. And you're listening to Learning with Leslie. Learning with Leslie. This is Learning with Leslie. 888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, have another exciting episode for you today. I'm on the line with Dan Morris, who is the strategist behind Blogging Concentrated, the one-day in-person workshop for advanced-level bloggers who know there, there are things that they can be doing better, faster, cheaper, smarter. I met him at Blog World and New Media Expo in New York City and fell in love with what this guy has to offer. Oh, I fell in love. He spends his time working with bloggers to increase their revenue, improve their quality of life and time with their family, reduce their economic dependency on one source, and to help them create a business that is both scalable and leveraged. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make decisions for your business with actionable information. That's what we're going to talk about today. Dan, how you doing, man? Dude. Dude. Dude, rock on. This is learning with Leslie. <laughs> this is, I feel like we need, anyhow, never mind. I'm not Dude, gonna... I said that just so I could, I had a shot at getting on the intro. Wow. That is exciting. Dude, I should get you on the intro. That's what I'm saying. I, I said it just for you. Oh, sweet. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> and we're going to bring tons of value. I know this is the case because just, when when was it? Was it last weekend? That we were in... I feel like it was, dude. It was last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a two-day stint, dude. Rock. Yeah. Oh, man, it was awesome. So we went to Wisconsin. We did a blo- one of the blogging concentrated workshops. And, man, I was there as one of the presenters, and I got a ton of value from it. So I know we're going to take some of that stuff. We're going to condense it here, and we're going to show people how to make actionable uh how to make decisions based on actionable information when it comes to their business that what they're doing with their blogs and all that good stuff so you ready to bring tons of value dude that's what we're about that's what we're about sweet so when we were at the workshop you started out by talking about you know blogging versus business tell us a little bit about that oh that is the bane of my existence right there i'll tell you (laughs) There are so many bloggers who come to me and say, you know, they're they're doing X or Y or Z and they've been doing it for three years and they're getting, you know, 200 people a day or they're making $12 a, a month or something. And they're in, you know, it all comes down to the questions that, I, you know, that I ask. And that is, you know, do you have a plan? Do you, I mean, are you, are you really using the data that you have at your fingers to make decisions, to change to what you're doing? You know, are, are you tracking everything that you're doing to find out what works so you can do more of that and less of the stuff that doesn't work because because it is really really easy to be busy it's hard to be profitable mm. and profitable is our goal because you know as as you know that I I've, I've said this over and over again when 
you step away from the kitchen and leave the family there and go to work on your blog, you have decided that the family you know, needs to take up the slack where you're not there and sacrifice a little bit for your efforts. Mm-hmm. So in my world, that means that your efforts need to be productive because, I mean, your, your family is sort of waiting for you to come back with the goods, to come back with the gold, to start, start working less so that you can be with them. I mean, one of my goals is to, is to get Molly maids to come to your house and give you a quote, you know, to like clean your house. And then, and that becomes like our first revenue goal. Cause if we can increase our revenue by that much and we can trade that money for Molly maids, like we can, we can actually give back to our family, our shareholders. Mm. We can say, Hey, look, now I could just go from blogging to family. I don't have to do all that maintenance in between. It takes away from, you know, the fun stuff that life is really about. So that's kind of my goal is how do we help people change their mindset from blogger, which I almost think is shouldn't be a professional, to business person who uses a blog to drive revenue. What's the difference in mindset in terms of a blogger? What, because when you say blogger, it almost sounds as if you're seeing a curse word. <laughs> I, I feel like to some degree it is because – because I really want people to, to, to find, you know, to find happiness, to find solace, to, to find profit in the, the work that they're doing. Because they provide so much value to their readers and audience. But they go, I mean, they spend their day, day like another blog post, got another, write another blog post, go on Facebook, you know, pin it, tweet it, like it, and then write another blog post. And then there isn't, there's never like the day, you know, the Friday afternoon meeting where you sit down and you actually look at your data. Okay, here's what, here's what our goals were. Here's what keywords we're trying to rank for. And then let's look at Webmaster Tools and see how we're doing. You know, that, those kinds of like daily or weekly business meetings aren't really taking place for a lot of bloggers. They're not treating it like a business. They're, they're just you know, blogging and then keeping track of some expenses for taxes at the end of the year. And that's not really a business. I mean, you, nobody at McDonald's or Walgreens does that. They don't just wake up and you know go in and hope they sell some stuff they 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 understand their business inside and out now, now you mentioned Wal- Walgreens and I know you told a story about um Walgreens and their tracking and how they go about doing things tell us a little bit about that because I, I think that's really significant and when you when you when you spoke about that I thought to myself man what would my business look like if I treated it that way so go ahead and tell us a little bit about how that's set up because I know you have a, a, a big history with Walgreens. Yes, I, I spent many years developing stores for them as a commercial developer and uh, still do to some degree to this day um, and have had a lot, have had an opportunity to spend a lot of time at headquarters and work with the real estate department and design and some of the operations and have gotten to see what a really well-run business looks like. And some of the things that have stood out for me uh, over the years that I, I still am astounded by are are something as simple as when when I would turn in a, a site plan. Now that's the the old head, you know, bird's eye view drawing of the store, you know, on the street corner that they look at before we build it. It shows the shape of the building and shows all the parking spots and where each tree gets planted. It's just like an overhead drawing. Mm-hmm. And and on that plan I would have to write how many parking spots were on each side of the building. They, you know, like they didn't even want to count. They just wanted me to write how many were compact, how many were handicapped, 
And they had to be pretty bold. And the reason that they use that is because they know that how they know how much mon- how much more money the store is going to make for every additional parking spot that's in the front. Because they know when you drive by, if you don't see an empty parking spot, you're less likely to stop in and buy something. Mm. So if they could maximize the number of parking spaces in the front, they can really maximize the revenue. Mm. You know, that's just the beginning. They know things like they have these electronic reader boards out front of their store. And they know when they post that milk is on sale for $1.79 or whatever it is, they know exactly how many more units they're going to sell that day based on the traffic and their history. They just they know that level of detail. It, another thing that just astounds people is for a long time, and, and they've changed this recently, but for a long time, they measured the different reflectivity uh, levels of the different kinds of tile they could buy and put in the store. Uh, and the hallmark section would always have a different kind of tile than the rest of the store, be kind of a, a brownish color, kind of more homey feel. Um, and But the reason that they use the white color with the, the specks on it in the rest of the store is because the lights above would reflect off the, the floor and, and shine and light up the bottom shelf you know, of, the, of each aisle. And when that particular tile was in a store, they, could t- they would know that they would sell more units from the bottom shelf. So they, you know, they tested all those kinds of things. I mean, they knew the ins and outs of the business, you know, like just pretty much everything. They know how many decibels come out of the drive-through speaker. You know that speaker when you come up to the to get your prescription, yeah, yeah. And and the pharmacist says, "Hey, well, you know, what's your deal?" They know exactly how many decibels come out of there because they know if it's too high, then the car next to you can hear what the person's saying, and that's against the HIPAA rules. You know, there's no privacy then. Gotcha. So every little part of their business they understand infinitely well, and that's so different than the way you know bloggers really operate. Okay, so just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so what I was going to ask there is, you know, okay, so that that sounds amazing to know, you know, exactly what all of these little actions are going what the results of these little actions are going to be. That's amazing, but okay, I'm a blogger. How do I translate that to what I am doing online? You know, I'm creating my content, I'm putting stuff out there. I'm I'm I might be even selling products and doing have banner ads on my site. How does that translate to me? as someone who is building a business with a blog. So let's let's go into some of the little details that would be fantastic for you to know if you were trying to become an expert in a particular niche. For instance, if you did keyword research and you really understood, I mean, some people don't even like the concept of search engine optimization. Uh-huh. But if you take the search engine optimization away, and the only reason that you do keyword research is so that you understand what every person on the planet is looking for when they're inside of your niche. That would be really useful information. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of things inside of every, you know, a lot of keywords that people search for that totally open up your eyes to the, either to the way things misperceive what you do. You know, sometimes you'll see a question and you'll realize that person has no idea what they're asking because they're, you know, they're asking about something odd. Like the, the other day I happened to mention pressing the F-stop button on my camera. And some photographer knew immediately that I had no idea what I was talking about <laughs> because the F-stop is not a button. Yeah. Apparently it's something else. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> but 
doing that kind of you know keyword research to know all of like the way people misperceive information, what do they look for, you know, what do they get, what do they look for incorrectly, what do they look for correctly, can really hone you in on just you mean make you a much smarter person in your niche all by yourself. And another thing would be, if you know if you're in the if you're in the photography niche, do you know like who the top people are in your industry? Who's who's the top? guy who's like the most famous guy who's the second who's the third who gets to speak at all the big conventions and what are the conventions and then who are the big podcasters and and authors and you know and documentary people like if you're going to be in the photography niche at some point in time i would think that you would just need to really know it all just even just to know it so that you can reference in conversations so you can reference things in your blog post so you can put together a social media strategy that involves you know incorporating all the things that are happening around you in your niche and on the planet you know and bringing those people back to your home base it if you end up just sticking to your wordpress blog from day to day and you come up with a new blog post and somebody asks a question and that spawns a new blog post like you just don't even see the world that you're a part of. And I mean, that's the bigger picture that, that be, that's where you become the CEO and you stop being the grunt on the front line and you're able to start making big decisions that you can't even see when you're typing today's blog post. Okay. So it's not just about me staying at my blog, creating content based on what's in my head. It's me understanding what's going on in the world around me whether that has to do with doing the keyword research, checking out who the top people are in my niche, uh, my industry, um, and getting to know what they are creating and those types of things, that is giving me some information. Is Now, is that actionable information? Well, take a trip to Barnes & Noble and sit down in the magazine section and look at all of the magazines in your niche. Now, the one thing that that you can tell from a magazine cover is that is that every single word on the cover of a magazine is designed to sell the magazine. There's nothing on there that is just, you know, fluff. It's all like every single fitness magazine talks about how to get rock hard abs. Yeah. So if you can go take a look at just, just for example, just the magazines and start that writing down headlines, like you will see trends that maybe you're not even contemplating on your site. What kinds of things is every one of them talking about? And can you then go translate that into something that you should be talking about? I mean, are, are, can you use, leverage the power of others to really build a bigger, better blog? You know, finding out who the top authors are, you know, what's the title of their books? Because a lot of times people only buy titles. Like when you go to Amazon, you can, you can flip through a couple pages, I guess. But most of the time, you're just buying a title. Like what are the top titles that are being sold? Mm. Because that will tell you the mindset of the people willing to pay money for the information. If okay. you can uh -huh. go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. See so if you can put together some trends based on the titles, like, you know, how many books on photography sell really well that have the word photography filter in the title? Just that concept, maybe none. And then you know, then you could think, well, that's not something people are willing to buy. But it's definitely something I need to teach them. So how do you know what do I bring them in on the front end? What's going to grab their attention? You know, that's where you can take information and make it actionable for yourself. Okay, so me, I blog about let's let's deal with my biology blog. I, I blog about biology. I can go to Barnes and Nobles or I can go to Amazon, 
um, and I can look in the section on science and biology and see what's popular. And based on that, I'm getting information about what people are looking for. And that information can kind of give me some ideas on some of the trends. It can give me some ideas on content that I can create, products that I can create, services that I can offer, all of that stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's a huge um, – th- there's, there's some sort of connection between who is really relevant in a niche and what they're talking about. Like if, if you're not talking about relevant stuff – like, didn't we just find the other day there's some sort of a new ligament in the knee? Yes, there I is. I mean, that's like, that's like on, you know, on the top of people's mind in the industry that there's a new ligament in the body that nobody really ever discovered before. I mean, I guess you could be, t- you could be talking about the eardrum, but, <laughs> which is, you know, biology. But can you stay on top of what people are really talking about, what they want to know now? You know, what is really interesting in the world? I mean, are, are you that person for your niche? Or, you know, are you talking about the, was it a timpani? What is the name of those things in the eardrum? I don't even know. The tympanic membrane? Yes. Mm-hmm. You could talk about that all day, I guess, but how exciting <laughs> is that? You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because uh, let's switch gears from biology to become a blogger. I feel as if 99.9% of the blogs out there that's teaching people to blog, they're talking about the same stuff. The same stuff that we've been talking about forever. And I'm, and I'm trying to think to myself, how can you be better than that? What would be your advice to someone in my position when it comes to something like become a blogger? I agree with you. I believe that most of the information about blogging is the same. Whether it's you know, 101 or 201, it's, it's WordPress, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, Pinterest. Yeah. And then it's Google Analytics, AdSense, private ads, sponsors, brands. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's like the gamut of every, what everyone's talking about. And then occasionally you'll get joint ventures, you know, a couple other things. But there, there aren't a lot of people who are really saying, why don't you take a look at the actual data and stop looking at what other people are doing? Because 99% of bloggers aren't making any money. Mm-hmm. You know, a few dollars a month or something. And, and when you see what somebody else is doing and it looks awesome and then you start doing it well now there's two people that aren't making money you know that's not really helpful mm-hmm. why don't we for instance you know we would have been writing this series on adsense uh on become a blogger mm-hmm. we finished this week mm-hmm. and you know one of the things that we go into a little bit is how to use the actual the dashboard to help you make money mm-hmm AdSense is fine as a, as a monetization source for some people, but the dashboard can really teach you about your blog with, with far deeper and greater information than AdSense alone. Yeah. Um, just one example. If you use the custom channels correctly, and you'll have to read the blog post to, to learn more about that. And, and, and we'll link to that blog post in the show notes for this episode. This is episode 140. So becomeablogger.com slash episode 140. You'll get the links to everything that we mention in this episode. Excellent. So one of these things is the, is the channel, which is a really horrible name. It should be called tags. If we learn how to use these tags correctly, then we can know over time what every pixel on our site is worth. You know, where do the eyeballs go on a particular site? Now, you can use, you know, Crazy Egg and a heat map to give you an idea of where the mouse goes. But 
the mouse and a click aren't necessarily the same. They're mm -hmm. definitely related, but they're not the same. So, for instance, if if you figure out that your sidebar, you know, number your top position is your best paying, you know, spot, that's also learning that your top position is where the eyeballs go. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where people look. So, if positions two and three don't make nearly as much as one, and we're about to launch a new ebook or a new program, then we should know immediately that sidebar position number one is where we put you know, the announcement about our new book. We sacrifice some AdSense revenue for our business revenue because we know that's where the eyeballs are, and that's where we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck. Gotcha. So, so for, for example, just to make that a little more concrete, on my biology blog, I'm running AdSense. Um, and I'm actually redoing my theme right now to optimize for AdSense a little better. But I have a number of positions on my blog that I can test. I can put an ad in the header. I can put an ad top position in the sidebar. I can put an ad on the footer and a bunch of different places. I can then test out these different positions to see which one is going to pay the most. And then based on which pays the most, I know what is the most valuable position and where people are looking to first. So that I can now, that, that is actionable data that I can use for when I am doing some type of a special promotion. I want to put it in that, that, that position that is the most valuable because that is where most people are going to. Mm, exactly. Okay. And one of the other problems that people have doing this process is the whole time that they're, they're testing and optimizing for AdSense, you know, they're learning like where is the best spot, is that they end up with great locations. You know, they're making as much money as they could possibly make from AdSense. But what they fail to do, you know, this, this next level of being a business owner is, is compare their total income with an optimized site versus their total income with a not optimized site. Because AdSense is the optimization of people leaving your site. So if your goal is to build a community, create comments on your blog post, sell an ebook, you know, get people to subscribe to your, to your newsletter or whatever it is, if that's your goal, and then you simultaneously go through the process of optimizing AdSense for the purpose of monetizing with AdSense, then you end up compromising your overall goal. Mm -hmm. So if you can optimize AdSense while you're watching your, your overall income, then you can see, look, I just started making an extra $3 or $10 a day with AdSense, but now I'm getting 10, 20, 30 fewer subscribes mm -hmm. you know, to my newsletter each week, or I'm getting five fewer ebook sales each week. And you know those... That's a lot more money. I mean, over time, that list and the ability to sell to that list and create, you know, real fans and cheerleaders, that, that's got real value. Mm -hmm. So once you optimize with the data, with the sole purpose of that, you know, being totally excited that you have it optimized, then you just sort of forget that, wait, I'm a business owner. Yeah. This is, I shouldn't just think about one source of income. I got to figure out how does AdSense really play into the goal of my business? Mm hmm. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just great to know exactly where to put all the stuff. And then in the end, each one of those gets replaced with a new product or a new service or something else that you're doing to monetize and grow your business. Because there is no way to leverage AdSense. You know, 
the day you stop blogging is the day your AdSense income starts going down. Yeah. Or the day you go on vacation. I mean, there's just there's just no long-term value there. It's a great strategy for today, but it doesn't get you out of the hole tomorrow. And there is and you have to think about this, there is no way for a blogger to retire. So, we have to start planning from day 1 on how we can work less and less and less for the same money and not just optimize so that we make the same money for the same amount of work all the time. Gotcha. So so what what I'm hearing you saying is number one, you need to know exactly what your goals your goals are um, when it comes to your business, when it comes to your blog. If it's all about ads, you know that it that can have some benefit, um, but you need to also be thinking about building your list. You need to be thinking about the products and services that you might have for sale, as opposed to you know just having AdSense, which is basically taking people away from your blog to to whatever these advertiser sites are. Yeah, you know AdSense can be huge income. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people um, that are making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars from AdSense. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents at PorchIdeas.com. They do really well with AdSense. But, you know, just like in your intro where you said, you know, let's help people get away from one source of income because Google might have a, how do you say it? Have a, a mood swing. Mood swing? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if their site is reliant on Google, you know, to a great degree, oh. and as soon as that goes away, so does AdSense. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole thing crumbles. So if you're a business owner, at what point in time do you actually start looking at your risk? You know, where is your risk? Do you, if, if Google is your traffic, that's a huge risk. So how do you diversify that? And does that become your quarter one strategy for 2014 is I need to make, you know, like, if, like if you're getting 100% of your traffic from Google, then maybe your 2014 first quarter goal is how do I reduce my, you know, my reliance on, on that by increasing my traffic from some other source? Gotcha. So now maybe by the end of quarter one, we're at... 90% or 80% traffic from Google. You know, at least at that point in time, you would say, look, I achieved a goal. You know, this is what I set out to do. I reduced my risk. You know, I increased my money from another place. Let's, you know, for quarter two, let's determine, do we set in, you know, that as another goal? Do we try to, again, reduce our reliance or do we try to just produce cash for the quarter? Or do we try to just produce content for the quarter? Like, you know, what kinds of things can we do and then measure and then make decisions and grow? Gotcha. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, big thing, and this, this seems to be the, 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 the uh, 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 big aspect of what we're talking about is make sure you're tracking everything. Um, if you're putting ads in your site, you want to track to see what's performing well, what's not performing well, and then make decisions based on that. Um, there was a, an, uh, an example that you spoke about when it comes to, you know, you might have some pages that are paying a significant amount in terms of ad revenue and then others that might not be paying um, or hardly paying anything and making decisions based on that. Tell us a little bit about that. It had to do with custom sidebars and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, speaking, just keeping on the AdSense um, line, you know, if you know anything about AdSense, you realize that it's the it's the it's the opposite side of AdWords, where somebody like Target and Radio Shack will will buy ads on Google to to sell their products. And I usually use a, a weather alert radio, you know, one of those radios that tells you whether a tornado is coming, as an example. So you know, Target and Radio Shack are selling this particular 
thing and they, they decide they're going to go to Google and they're going to advertise. And they want buyers, you know, they don't want to just advertise to non-buyers. So they create their ad and then uh, they decide what keywords they want to rank for. Um, and, you know, for a weather alert radio, they probably are trying to rank for keywords like buy weather alert radio and weather alert radio and tornado alarm system and, you know, buy weather alarm system and, and those kinds of keywords where they, they can see that people are actually, you know, actually looking for the product that they're selling. So, you know, all these companies are buying these, are these, these ads and they check this box that says, not only do I want my ads to show up on Google, but I also want them to show up on Google's advertising network. Well, the advertising network is AdSense. That's, that's us. That's our blogs. So when we put some code on our site that says, you know, Google, please put a 300 by 250 ad in this spot, um, Google has to actually scan your page and figure out, all right, well, I'll put an ad there, but what's this page about? Because I need to put a relevant ad there. And if they see that your, your page, you happen to be talking about weather alert radios on your page then that ad from Radio Shack is going to show up in that spot. You know, it's relevant. It's exactly what Radio Shack wants. Now, since, uh, since Target and Radio Shack are both trying to advertise in this term, they're kind of bidding for the same spot. You know, and the more companies that you have bidding for the same keyword, the higher you get paid on AdSense. So words like white and teeth, where you know, every local dentist plus Crest plus Rembrandt plus Colgate, they're all bidding on that keyword. No, those pay four and five dollars a click. Whereas a word like weather, you know, nobody bids on the word weather because if you just search for you know, weather in Columbus, you're not planning on buying something. Mm-hmm. And since you're not planning on buying something, nobody's bidding on that keyword. It's just stagnant. So when you put AdSense on that page, oh, Google just backfills it with somebody who's looking for remnant space, somebody who's willing to pay for any keyword, but they only want to pay like, you know, two to 18 cents a click. So now you've got AdSense dashboard set up, and if you put all of your URLs, like every single page on your website, into AdSense, if you know which pages aren't making you any money, then you can decide to not put AdSense on those pages because because that's a mismatch. I mean, if if AdSense is going to pay you two cents per click, why would you waste the real estate for two cents per click? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you could do this is you can use custom sidebars, which is a WordPress plugin. You know, other kinds of bloggers will have to do it a different way. But just inside WordPress, you know, if you use custom sidebars, you can actually dictate a commercial sidebar versus a non-commercial sidebar. And then whenever you write a blog post, um, you can go to spyfu.com or use brainstorm tools or, you know, a variety of things to determine whether or not your your ads are going to, you know, your keyword is going to pay any money. And you can decide right on the spot, is this a non-commercial sidebar or a commercial sidebar? And then you can totally match the monetization source with the actual page. Otherwise, if you just blanket your entire site with ads, some of them won't be profitable for you. You'll, you'll stop being a business owner and you'll just, you know, just be a random guy. And that's not really what we want. We want to make sure that our tile is reflective. We know how many parking stalls are in the front. And we understand the value of the LED reader board. Mm-hmm. From the blog standpoint, we want to know where is my money coming from, which pages, and the pages that aren't bringing me money, I have to figure out why. Does that mean I'm not getting any traffic to those pages? Does that mean that the pages aren't paying very well? Like, what is the actual reason? And then 
sometimes, and this is, you know, I use this example and you'll see it in the blog post, is that um, on my site, Benefits of Resveratrol, um, the highest paying page, according to the dashboard, only had like three views for the entire time that I, you know, that I, that I set up the, the date structure in AdSense just to see, you know, which was my highest paying page. Like, like if my, if my highest paying page is not getting viewed, how do I make any money? Like, shouldn't I be tweeting that every day? Should I not use PicMonkey and create an own, my own little ad for that and put it in the sidebar of my other pages and drive traffic to my highest paying page? And that's just AdSense. I mean, what if you knew which page actually created the ebook sale? Like, which page was the you know, was really good at selling the concept of your ebook? And as long as you got people to that page, then you would sell more ebooks. You know, if you know that, then you can make decisions. Like, oh, I need to get more people to that page. I need to tweet that every day. I need to set that up in Hootsuite as an auto-tweet, you know, at midnight so that people in Australia see it. I need to create an ad so that in all my other pages, I actually sell my own ebook or sell that page. But once you have the data to know where your money comes from, then you can really start making decisions. Okay, so let let's um, once again make this give the give this a uh, specific example with my biology blog. Let's say I have uh, a page on my blog that is making uh, three dollars per click, which is a pretty good um, uh, uh, um, amount to make for every click that someone makes on that page. But then I have many sites that are making you know three cents per click. With that information, I have actionable data, so I can, for example. Um, instead of putting AdSense on that three cents per click page, I can put a banner in that position to send them to the three dollar per click page, so that now I'm funneling traffic to the pages, the page or the pages that are making the most money, and based on that, I will be making more money because now I'm getting people there. Yes, and you could you could add a PS to all your emails that say, "Hey, check out this particular page, which is your high paying page." You could make that an autoresponder that you write. I mean, you can you can start to make decisions that actually make you money. Like if you know that if you just send more traffic there, you're going to make more money. So how many things can you do to increase the traffic that would make you money? And once you're making decisions that you know result in money, how much easier it is for you to start to outsource tasks? Because mm. now, now you know, well, shoot, if I just spend my time doing X, while I outsource Y, I will effectively be paying for that person who I'm outsourcing while they're doing their work and we'll get twice as much done. You know, you can totally eliminate the catch-22 that everyone faces, which is how do I hire someone if I haven't made money and how do I make more money without hiring someone? Gotcha. You, can, you can start to eliminate that catch-22 just by using the data. All right, so we're at about 35 minutes. Lots of great information so far. I want to I wanna end by talking about what are a list of things that if I'm a business owner and one of the main um, strategies I'm using for building my business is my blog, what are the things that I need to be tracking on a regular basis that's going to give me the actionable information that I need to make decisions that's going to help to grow my business? Thing number one. Thing number one is the human behavior. You need to really, really understand the process by which someone who doesn't know you exist today makes money for you tomorrow. Where does that begin? 
if you are selling web design services is, I mean, you're going to get some sales through word of mouth. So interview people and figure out how does that happen? Is it one time, two times, three times? Is it one email, two emails, three emails from you? What does the process look like? And if it's from Google, what did they search for? How did they get to you? What blog posts did they read that in, you know, eventually led to you being hired? And if it's you know, AdSense, what, what are the pages that are making you money? And how does a person who doesn't know you exist, somebody in you know, Beirut, Lebanon, who's eventually going to click on an ad, how do they come about finding your site? Where does it exist in the world? I want to start figuring out where does my money come from so I can start to track you know, those particular events. If, if, it's, you know, if it's AdSense is your thing and you're, you're making money on traffic and you need to get traffic to your wine pages because your wine pages make the most money, then how many places on the, in the world can someone go to find your site? How do we expand that? How do we start tracking those activities and see if I do this, will it bring more traffic to my site? You know, those kinds of things. Human behavior for me is number one. How do people who don't know you exist today make money for you tomorrow? Okay, so that's the first thing we need to track. Human behavior. You gave a number of examples. Anything else? That would be number one. You want number two? Yes, let's go with number two. Number two is what is my overriding long-term goal? So in, let's just say an example is you want to be the keynote speaker at a convention. And when your speech is over, you want people to stand up and clap and surround you and be excited and want to take a picture with you. Like who are these people that you want to be surrounded by? What is it that you want to be known for? I mean, what, what is this vision that you have in your head? I want to write this down because every single day when I wake up, I want to measure today's activities against that future goal. Am I doing things that are going to increase the number of people in my community that fit this mold long, you know, down the line? Is, does that exist? When I go to my Twitter profile and I read the description, does that description attract the kind of people who are going to be my long-term goal? Because every single day I want to be building my audience of the people that I want to be surrounded by you know, 10 years from now. Because those are the people that are going to champion my ebooks, they're going to comment on my blog post, they're going to like, pin, tweet, share, they're going to do all that stuff. So I want to make sure that I have that long-term filter. Every day I can decide, is this the thing that's helping me where, go where I need to go? All right. So I, am, I, I love that, actually. What is my overriding long-term goal? And it's a good idea to write that down. And then now you can go ahead and analyze all of the things that you're doing to say, is this helping you to reach that goal? If it's not, then you really shouldn't do it. Because if you go back to the concept of your family as your shareholders, and they are sacrificing every second that you're not being with them, then how can you really afford to be piddling on Pinterest if you don't really have a strategy for being there in the first place? Mm. Okay, so that's number two. Is there a number three? We, we can't just do two. Two just so sounds number three weird. Is, to me, is always the data. So from those two is to figure out what is the data that we need to make tomorrow's decision. And then on Fridays or on you know, every month or some, some level of regularity, I want to be able to look and see at what I'm doing. 
So if it's keywords that are bringing traffic to your wine blog, then I want to be able to look at the list of keywords that I really want to track people for, and I want to go to Google Webmaster Tools into the search queries, and I want to see, am I ranking for those words, and where am I? Am I number 306? Am I 284? Um, did I move You know, from the last month when we looked? Did I move down? Did I move up? Compare your effort to the outcome so that you can actually grow. You know, otherwise you're never growing because you're not watching and you know making decisions to improve. You just keep blogging. And there's millions and millions of people who keep blogging. There's only a few that become Mario Batali, you know, that have nine cookbooks and a show on NBC and all that stuff. Unless you unless you design your life to become that superstar, it doesn't really happen on accident. Sure there's a lottery winner occasionally. The people who work hard with focus get there on, on purpose. Whoa, whoa, say that again. The people? The people who work hard with focus get there on purpose. With focus, get there on purpose. That's the quote. I love this. Okay, yeah, that wait. one was pretty good. I'm, I'm going to quote you on that one. Okay. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about blogging concentrated. Because I went, I was there this last time in Wisconsin, and I loved it. What is it all about? So, blogging concentrated is an extension of our last thirty minutes that we just spent, mm. and that is we really, I mean, the the beginning of the day is here are the twenty things that we could be talking about today, and I let the attendees figure out. You know, they put stickers on the, the top three things they want to talk about, and then the the thing that gets the most attention is what we start with. So the whole thing is geared at, you know, how do we make your, your experience at the event better and how do we teach you what it is that you need to know? And, and we really go from one topic to the next. Um, and, you know, when, when people are done asking questions and everyone has a good grasp of, you know, of the concept and what we should be doing, then we move on to the next subject. It's really, as, you know, as in-depth as so far I've been able to make it. And in each one, I've learned something that makes the next one better. So, for instance, at Lansing and Milwaukee this last weekend with you, I learned that I need to add a segment at the end that's called, what do you do next? Mm. Because, you know, a lot of these conferences, you come away just sort of overwhelmed, and there's just so much to do. So we're going to now spend from the last hour of the day, and we're going to talk about um, what do you do next. We're going to look at the progression of a business. Here's the things you need to have in place first, and if you don't, Here's the things you need to do to finish that thing, you know, and here's what needs to be second and third and then fourth and fifth. And if you're not done, finish that and go on to the next thing before you start, you know, Flickr or before you create a Pinterest account, do, do A, B, and C. So that's going to be our new thing going forward. Um, and the whole, the entire blogging concentrate is based around uh, local, local communities. So for instance, in January, February, March, I think we have, nine or ten different cities that we're going to. We do, it's just a one day, um, I, I'm excited if you fly in, but my real goal, you know, if we, when we go to Seattle on the 18th of January, my real goal is that, you know, we get 40 people from Seattle in the room. Mm -hmm. And they become like a community of their own over time, a community of bloggers. But really, let's just sit down for eight hours, including lunch, which we provide, and let's just talk about turning this blog into something that's really going to produce revenue. 
And I see on the site right now that you have one coming up in Seattle, Washington, Cincinnati, Ohio, Kansas City, um, Richmond, Virginia, Boise, Idaho, New York City, Syracuse. So you're going to be all over the place. Um, and I was there at this last one. I thoroughly enjoyed it, got tons of value from it, and I'm actually implementing some of the things that I learned there to change and grow my business. So thank you for what you do. And anyone that's listening to this that's going to be in any of those areas and just even keep um, just looking at the site to see what's coming up in the future, bloggingconcentrated.com. I know, I know for a fact that you're going to get tons of value from it. So, hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing with my audience. I was a little toned down for anyone that's listening, uh, and that's because Noah is in the next room right across here sleeping. So that's why I'm a little softer than normal. Uh, But we got a lot of value. So thanks a lot, man. Oh, dude, I appreciate you having me. Oh, no problem. Hey, guys, check it out, bloggingconcentrated.com if you want to find out some more information about where Dan is going to be. And, um, man, this is this is the best workshop slash conference I've been to. It's a small group. It's more intimate. You get to ask as many questions as you want. Um, and as he mentioned, they don't move on until they're finished with the with everyone's questions so check it out um if you're enjoying this podcast you know what to do you can leave a review i like reviews reviews make me feel pretty (laughs) that sounds kind of weird but reviews really help to get additional exposure to the podcast so head on over to becomeablogger.com slash itunes and if you want to learn to start your blog so that you can create content inspire others and change the world while building your online business free blogging videos Check it out. It's free. It's actionable. And it's awesome. At least I think so. That's pretty much it for this episode. Until next time, this is Leslie Summer from becomeablogger.com. Take care and God bless.